Welcome to the Paul Stone Sports Podcast. For over 30 years, Paul Stone has been seriously handicapping college football, college basketball, and PGA Tour golf. Over the past five seasons, spanning almost 600 releases, Paul has hit 55% against the spread in college football, gaining the respect of sports books and bettors throughout the world. He is monitored by highly respected the Sports Monitor of Oklahoma City. Paul has also won two major Las Vegas football handicapping contests and finished in the top four in two others. Each week, Paul will provide exclusive handicapping insights on the podcast. To receive Paul's exact picks each week, you can sign up for member-only access at paulstonesports.org. Now, on to the show. Welcome to episode 26 of the Paul Stone Sports Podcast. It's a little after 7.30 p.m. Central on Tuesday, November 16th. Uh, the playoff, college football playoff rankings were released a little over an hour ago, and once again, this week, I am Paul Stone. I'm going to offer a few brief musings on this week's uh, playoff rankings. Of course, from a handicapping perspective, power ranking style. But first, today's episode titled, There's No Such Thing as a Lean in Sports Betting. I've been doing this for a long time, uh, guys and gals, probably before I was even old enough to drive or even legally partake in the IPA, lager, L, or Hefeweizen of my choice. And I've always heard betters talk about having a lean on a side or total in a sporting event. You know, maybe I've slipped up a time or two in my long personal history of being a patron of the sports book, but if I have, I don't recall it. Because I'm not even sure what the heck a lean is in sports betting. I mean, you can lean out of a car window, although it's probably not a good idea, especially if the car's moving. And then there's the leaning tire of Pisa over in Italy. But I don't really think that has any application to sports betting, does it? So I'm not really sure what a lean is in sports betting. I'll stop right there with my silliness. Of course, uh, these words have been the words that I've just spoken the last minute or so have been spoken in jest and in a spirit of mockery. Uh, You know, I know what a lean is in sports betting, uh, although my definition might be somewhat uh, or even significantly different than yours. Because to me, a lean is when a sports better, maybe even a sports better who's a media member, mentions a side or a total in a favorable fashion, but doesn't want to be totally accountable if his position turns out to be a loser. So he calls it a lean. Did he or she bet it? You know, maybe so. Maybe not. Probably difficult to know for sure. But the end game, in my opinion, is this. If it wins, the person wants favor or kudos based on his lean recommendation. If it loses, however, man, I made a good decision not betting that side. Glad it was only a lean. You know, it's kind of like a politician who, you know, doesn't want to really clearly state his or her position on a particular issue. You know, they want to leave you guessing a little bit, want to make you just a little bit uncertain, want to leave the door open to spin it any way they wish. 
depending on the direction of the wind or the mood of the day. And hence, today's podcast title, There's No Such Thing as a Lean in Sports Betting. If this four-letter word is part of your sports betting vernacular, wash your mouth out with soap, you foul, dirty talker. (laughs) You know, this business, to quote famous sports broadcaster Brent Musburger, and his quote, you've heard it on VSIN probably, If not, Brent's quote is this, cashing tickets is what it's all about. You know, that's a pretty simple phrase, uh, but it certainly sums up, you know, this racket that we're all involved in, you know. And this is how this thing kind of works when you place a sports bet or when you're a sports better. In, In its simplest terms, anyway, you go to the window, you blurt out some numbers, you hand over some Benjamins. The rider hands you a paper ticket, and you put it in your man purse and walk away. I really don't have a man purse. You know, I'm a leather wallet kind of guy, probably more like my dad than some of the younger folks listening to this. I have nothing against them. It's just not not me. But I have gotten off topic there. Anyway, you get that paper ticket after you've exchanged a little money. They play the game at some point, maybe that same day, maybe at a later time. The game is completed. If you win or you push, you return to the window with your paper ticket. You hand it over. You get some Benjamins back, and hopefully you get more back than your original investment. If you lose, you know, you either put the paper ticket in storage with your other losers uh, for tax or other purposes, Or you might just choose to crumple it up and hopefully dispose of it properly in an eco-friendly fashion. But there are no liens in this equation. You know, a sports better wasting oxygen about a lien of his and not betting it is no different than a teetotaler who would never consider participating in the devil's games of chance. Although I personally, I would argue that sports betting is a game of skill long term, even though chance, you know, certainly plays a role. Uh, But that's a podcast for another day, I guess. So the better with the lean is no different than the teetotaler who would consider it a complete sin even to wager a single dollar on the multi-state lottery. In other words, money talks. And you know what walks. If you didn't go to your pocket, if you didn't wager your hard-earned, cold, hard cash, it doesn't count. You know, there's only one way that we keep score in this business, folks. It's winners and losers. You put the winners on the left, how much you cleared. You put the losers on the right, including the juice you paid. You add up the numbers on the left. You add up the numbers on the right. Hopefully, the numbers on the left collectively are greater than the numbers on the right, and you see where you stand. You know, talk is cheap. Uh, It's kind of like the guy or the gal who, after the fact, and we've all seen this before, after the result has been determined, you know, they kind of say, well, you know, anybody could have picked that game. That was easy. It was so obvious. My question to that person is always this. If it was so easy, how much money did you win on it? Yeah, that's, that's what I thought. You know, again, Uncle Brent, even though he's just really succinct, 
right to the point. He still nailed it. Guys cashing tickets is what it's all about. I'm going to move past that now. That was a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but hopefully you get the uh, the gist of it. Uh, now I'm going to kind of move to the, or I am going to move rather, to the just-released Week 3 edition of the College Football Playoff Rankings. Again, it's about 7.45 p.m. Central at this point on Tuesday, November 16th. I'm going to go over the top 10, although most of you have probably seen this. You probably, many of you watched it live But the top 10 in the college football playoff rankings in order, number one, Georgia, number two, Alabama, number three, Oregon, number four, Ohio State, number five, Cincinnati, number six, Michigan, number seven, Michigan State, number eight, Notre Dame, number nine, Oklahoma State, and number 10 this week, Slippery Rock. I'm kidding. It's not Slippery Rock. Number 10 is Wake Forest of the Atlantic Coast Conference. So looking, you know, at that top 10, first of all, and again, my charge is from a handicapping perspective, from a power ranking standpoint. So by me saying teams overvalued, their their mission, their charge is different than mine. So they're, they're doing, a, you know, they're doing a pretty good job. I, I don't find great fault with the committee. It's easy you know, any of us, if we could, I think there's 13 on the committee. If I could, you know, pick my 12 highest draft choices and form that committee of 13, if you could, you know, we would all have different rankings. We would all feel like ours are better than theirs. But I think overall they really do a, a different or, or a really good job. You know, they're doing a different type job than I'm doing. But uh, I'm going to look at them from a power ranking standpoint and make some points on teams that I believe – in these rankings are overvalued and I'm going to start with the most overvalued team in the playoff rankings. And that's number three, Oregon. Uh, the ducks play at Utah this weekend. The Utes are just number 23 by comparison in the college football playoff rankings, but the Utes are favored by three and a half in many circles. As we speak, home field advantage doesn't even merit three and a half points these days by many ranking systems. So the line maker Uh, with an assist from the betting marketplace, is essentially saying that Utah and Oregon either have the same power ranking or maybe even Utah's power ranking is slightly higher. So Oregon at number three, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I'm not saying they don't deserve to be there uh, with the uh, rules and the processes that they follow in assembling these rankings. But from a betting perspective, from a power rankings perspective, they are certainly overvalued or overranked at number three. And then I know this gets a lot of debate. A lot of people are really passionate about it. I'm not passionate about it. You know, it's not, I try to be emotionless. Um, I don't ever, you know, I don't scream at the television when I watch games. I don't get in uh, heated arguments with people over some game five years ago or some particular game being played right now or whatever. I try to keep a level head. Um, you know, I try to, to look at it again from a handicapping perspective. But Cincinnati, clearly, in my mind, again, overvalued at number five in the playoff rankings. While the mainstream media, you know, they pipe every week, you can't leave Cincinnati out of the playoff if it wins all its games. Guys like myself... You know, my quote might be, is sometimes not so much if you win the game, but rather how you play 
against whom you play, where you play them. And Cincinnati, you know, the games that they've had uh, against Tulsa, against Navy, I believe Tulane was in there. I mean, if Alabama or Ohio State had results like that against those teams, they would be crucified. So uh, Cincinnati definitely not. And although I hope, you know, if they deserve to be there, I hope they get in. I would like to see something different, but I'm not just going to force my narrative and, and just make it fit supporting one team. You're not trying to support one team or one conference. You're trying to identify the best four teams. Uh, Michigan State at number seven, certainly overranked uh, when compared to power rankings. And Wake Forest, not to be confused with Slippery Rock, Wake Forest at number 10, although I love Dave Clawson, I love what he's done there in Winston-Salem uh, with the Demon Deacons at number 10. Uh, Wake Forest also being given too much love, in my opinion. I'm going to go to a question now that I received in the mailbag a few weeks back. I'm trying to go over one or two of these a week. And this question comes to us from, I hope I pronounced this right, Tom Keffery from San Luis Obispo, California. I've been there before. I think Amtrak stops there. I might be wrong, but I've definitely been there before. Beautiful part of the state of California. And he asked, this is Tom's question, if you had to rely on only one indicator to pick a side-slash-winner in college football, what would it be? Quarterback matchup, O-line strength, defensive strength, star power, etc. You know, Tom, a person could probably go in a lot of directions in answering this question. My answer would be, two-word answer really, would be my numbers. Uh, I consider all of the factors uh, that, that you indicated there to be part of the process and, and something that I look at in crafting my own power rankings. Um, but my power rankings are formulated. Uh, I formulate my own side and type, uh, total rather on each game from those power rankings. And then when the numbers come out at Circa late every Sunday morning, I compare mine to theirs and primarily bet the most significant discrepancies. Note, I didn't, you know, I want you to note, and I kind of stumbled on how I'm going to say this. I want you to note I said the most significant discrepancies. And I didn't say larger, but rather most significant. And my purpose is to make a distinction between the two in this case. And what I mean is, if I've got Team A favored by four and a half points, and Circa's got Team A favored by two and a half. That's only two points. But those two points, crossing over three and four, are more significant than, say, if I had Team A favored by 20 points and Circa had them favored by 15. There's a five-point differential that I wouldn't give nearly as much credence as the two-point differential that I mentioned uh, initially. I repeat things often. You'll hear some of the same things uh, in my podcast, but I repeat things often in an effort to hopefully make impressions. And in answering this question, I'll close with something I often say, I bet numbers, not teams. Now for this week's uh, complimentary selection. Finally broke a long dry spell on the podcast last week with Air Force minus two and a half. Uh, as the Falcons handled 
rival Colorado State 35-21 this past Saturday in Fort Collins. A small favorite in Air Force was the ticket last week, so I'm going to try another small favorite, but this time I'm going to go to the East Coast where Boston College is favored at home by a deuce over Florida State, which rallied uh, late last Saturday, uh, rallied late in the game to defeat bitter rival Miami of Florida 31-28. to That victory by the Seminoles snapped a four-game losing streak to the Canes. Uh, the Seminoles in that game expended loads of energy and emotion uh, in defeating Miami. Uh, offensive coordinator Kenny Dillingham, he got emotional uh, in a post-game press conference. He had to pose for a few minutes, for a few moments, rather. He had to compose himself, uh, compose himself gather himself uh, before resuming his comments to the media. And I love that about college football. I love that raw emotion. But that tells you what it meant to Florida State defeating Miami finally after losing four straight. They needed something good to happen for that program, and they led this uh, game early. I can't remember the exact score, but they were up maybe by a couple of touchdowns early and then fell behind late and then had to rally uh, in the last few minutes uh, and actually scored. I think Jordan Travis scored late uh, in the final uh, final seconds of that game. Uh, in Florida State gets the victory over Miami 31-28. So that's a huge victory for Florida State. And next week, not this Saturday, but next week, Florida State goes to Gainesville to play its other rival, Florida of the SEC. But first, the Seminoles have a date in Chestnut Hill this Saturday where they play a Boston College squad that has only defeated them, only defeated Florida State once in the last 10 meetings. If you look at, uh, we've talked about power rankings already in this uh podcast if you look at the various power rankings including mine boston college and florida state have essentially the same power ranking you know you won't see them separated by more than five spots probably in most guys or gals power rankings i think jeff sagren this week even has them back to back in his power rankings Uh, which that means you know boston college should be maybe a two and a half or three point favorite when you factor in the home field advantage at home against florida state But I think situationally and fundamentally, this spot heavily favors Boston College. You know, we've talked about the situational sandwich spot uh, facing Florida State. But fundamentally, uh, Boston College is a better team today than it has been most of the year. And that's due largely to the return of their quarterback, uh, Phil uh, Jerkovic, who's going to be playing his third game since a hand injury sidelined him in mid-September. So they just got him back. Uh, He really played well this past weekend against Georgia Tech. The game time temperature is going to be there in Chestnut Hill. Going to be at noon Eastern kickoff. It's going to be around 40 degrees, maybe the lower 40s, but it's not really Florida type of weather. I think a lot of things point towards Boston College in this game. I recommend my free complimentary selection this week, Boston College minus two over Florida State. Now I'm going to go to this week's uh, quick pitch, a little uh, shameless plug, if you will, as I sometimes call it. Uh, College football and college basketball memberships are now both available at paulstonesports.org. Unlike, I like to point this out, and it's very, very important, unlike the vast majority of sports services, Paul Stone Sports monitored 
by the highly respected independent, the sports monitor of Oklahoma City. This season in college football, I've hit 56.3% of my premium selections to date against the spread. And barring a major collapse, I'm going to be headed towards my seventh consecutive winning season in college football against the spread. It's a level of consistency I'm extremely proud of. Again, I'm monitored. Uh, I don't get to keep my own score. Uh, Anybody can easily research my record. They can go to the Sports Monitor's uh, website. Easy to find, easy to navigate, easy to see the yearly records uh, in the regular season and the bowls. And I would say this, too, and I'm pretty – most of you people know – I shouldn't say you know, but some of you might know that I'm a pretty laid-back person. Uh, But if any other service monitored, of course, not just saying it, uh, but a monitored service has matched my record over the past seven years. I'm not aware of it, so I'm extremely proud of that. Uh, college basketball season, I mentioned that. Uh, it's just tipped off this past week, but I'm off to a 5-2 and two start against the spread on the hardwood. Have both a side and a total uh, release to clients tonight. Uh, if interested to learn more, please visit paulstonesports.org. Again, that's paulstonesports.org. Before we close tonight, uh, bowl matchups are going to be announced before you know it. I believe the first weekend in December. And sometime each November, you know, I start thinking about teams that might be really excited to be in a bowl game and then others that would maybe rather be vacationing and partying over the holidays. You know, I'm not saying that these teams, whether I'm, you know, whether I think they're happy, really happy to be there or really would rather be somewhere else. I'm not saying these teams are an auto play, uh, absolutely, because I don't even know who the, the team that I'm going to kind of point to here is going to be playing. And it's important to note that the matchup, uh, injuries, opt outs, and other factors could certainly be part of the handicapping puzzle. But one team I'll be looking at favorably as the bowl matchups are announced, is going to be East Carolina of the American Athletic Conference. I think that's going to be perhaps a team to keep an eye on during the bowl season. They've got a veteran quarterback in Holton Aylers. Uh, they seem to be getting better every week, and their defense is really immensely improved. Plus, you've got an East Carolina team. They haven't been bowling since 2014, so the Pirates are going to be hungry. Uh, if the matchup is attractive, Uh, and especially if the Pirates are perhaps catching points, I might be taking a look at East Carolina during the 2021 bowl season. So that does it. I'm trying to keep these uh, relatively short. You've got other things to do. Uh, We're a little over probably about 22 or 23-minute point right now. Pretty satisfied with that. Thanksgiving's coming up. Um, going to be nine days from today as I record on November 16th. If any of you are traveling this week or early next week, before I speak to you next time, have safe travels. Uh, cherish these times with uh, family, friends, whoever you spend the Thanksgiving holiday with. Um, they're special. Um, people need to be together. They're, they need to be uh in communion and around people that they hopefully share interest in. I know sometimes it can be difficult being around family. (laughs) You have to tolerate it rather than enjoy it. But try to find the good in it. Uh, Have safe travels. uh, Eat some good food. And be safe. Until next time, folks, I'm Paul Stone signing off again with the Paul Stone Sports Podcast. 
Thank you for listening to the Paul Stone Sports Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. And visit paulstonesports.org to sign up for member-only access to Paul's college football, college basketball, and PGA Tour golf picks and predictions. 